Hey everybody, welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor and to the First Christian Church Disciples of Christ worship service here in Anniston, Alabama. I'm so glad that you're here with us again today and I hope that God is blessing you even in the midst of these strange times. We are gathered to worship together virtually as we sit in our homes and I hope that you gather your family together or bring your pets in with you, curl up on your couch or in your comfy chair. I hope that you're, you know, in your pajamas or in something that just makes you feel um, comforted and, and, um, and at home. And I encourage you to go ahead and get your communion elements to get your bread and your juice or your wine. Um, of any kind, just as long as you've got some sort of, you know, cracker or bread and some sort of um, drink to dip it in. And go ahead and light a Christ candle, welcoming the light of Christ into your midst. This is a difficult time and a weird time, and um, we're all just sort of making things up as we go. But one thing that we know for sure is that God is with us and that God loves it when we gather in his name. And whether we are gathered together in a close space or gathered together across the globe, God is pleased by our worship and by our faithfulness. <clears throat> so let us turn today to God and let us worship together as the body of Christ, united in our common love for Jesus. Welcome to this worship service. And I'm really glad you're here. Let us worship today in the name of the God who was resurrected, in the name of the God who promises to resurrect each and every one of us. We pray and we worship today in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
missing the peace of Christ is one of those things that many of us are missing the most in this service. It's a moment of pure joy when we walk around, when we shake hands or hug and say, peace of Christ and I love you. Today, in our state of quarantine, I would like you instead to send text messages to one another or make phone calls or post messages on Facebook and pass the peace of Christ in a new and meaningful way. So now, let us welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God, let us pass the peace of Christ. Hear now the reading of the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill, so the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, rather it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and we... And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. So they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved you, neighbor, as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Hear us now as we silently confess our sins. Ephesians 1.7 says that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We are forgiven. Glory be to God the Almighty. Amen.
have quite a few prayer requests today. Um, and so I will read them out to you now. Our first prayer request is for Maria, who was in the hospital with a severe case of pneumonia. Now, thankfully, she has tested negative for the coronavirus, but she is still in serious condition and really needs our prayers. She is also extremely vulnerable to catching the virus if she's exposed um, and would have a much more difficult time with the virus considering the condition that she's already in. So let's just pray that she stays safe and that she recovers well. We're praying also for her daughter, Asalia, who is homeless in Boulder, Colorado, due to um, some pretty serious mental health issues. So let's keep Asalia in our prayers. Joe has been notified by his job that they have to consider layoffs or salary adjustments or something like that as a result of the coronavirus. So let's keep him and all of his coworkers in our prayers and then also everyone else whose jobs might be on the line. We pray that the uh, stimulus, or not the stimulus, but the um, the help package that, the, that Congress passed um, comes to us soon and really does help us and is enough for us to get us through. Um, and we just pray that this whole thing ends before any real damage is done to anyone's personal life or finances. We continue to pray for Carl, Chris's father, and Jana's father-in-law, who was diagnosed with cancer a few weeks ago. We pray for our shut-ins for Leela and Lois and Kay. And our members who are in nursing homes, we pray for Jim and for James and for their families, especially for Pat, um, who cannot get to Jim um, because the nursing home has um, banned all visitors. I cannot imagine how hard this is for them to not be able to see each other. And for all of the other people who are in nursing homes right now who are isolated from their families. Um, and we pray for all of the caregivers working in the nursing homes and in the hospitals and doctor's offices who are working so hard in the midst of all of this when so many of us get to stay home um, and stay safe. And so we pray for the safety of all of them. Our family friend, Sylvia, who was in ICU at this time last week, has made a miraculous recovery, according to her doctors, and is now home and doing well. So prayer works, guys. Uh, Sylvia had an awful lot of people praying for her, not just us. And she literally woke up on Monday morning, and the doctors have no idea why she did is is was better. So um, God is good. Annie, Barb, and Wani are asking for prayers for their friend Karen, who just found out that her cancer has come back, and this time it's in one lung and in her spine. Renee asked for prayers for her family and all of the other families in their position while, uh, as they are trying to figure out work and school with the children being home. But also, they have a praise report that they are getting this precious time with their babies. So I've heard a lot of you say that you're excited to be able to spend so much quality time with your children, and I pray that all of you are enjoying that. Um, but I also know that it is stressful having your children around 24-7, having your spouses around 24-7, your family members 24-7. It's a lot. And so we pray for all of us that we can continue to focus on the praise and on the the gratitude for being able to be with our families um, more than ever before. Renee also asked for prayers for her sister's family, for Brooke and Joey and the kids, because they're supposed to close on their new home very soon, but it is up in the air right now. And there is a possibility that things may not work out due to people being out of work. Please keep the kids in our church and in our world in your prayers, because many of them are struggling with depression and anxiety 
coming from being socially isolated and also from the uncertainties and they're picking up on the, on our stress and just everything. And so pray for them that God will give them peace. And also think of us later today because we are gathering all of the kids in the church together for a video conference. So pray that it goes well and that it's helpful in keeping their spirits up during this strange, strange time. We have another prayer request from Jenna. She says to please pray for her grandmother, her aunt, and her uncle uh, because her grandmother fell and had to get nine staples in her scalp. And then in the process, she and her aunt and her uncle were all exposed to the coronavirus in the ER. And then we're also praying for her cousin who is sick, but they don't, she doesn't have any more information than just that the cousin is sick, but she says they're scary times. And so, you know, just being sick right now is major. So let's keep them in your in our prayers as well. Let us go to God in prayer. God of grace and glory, we begin our prayer today with gratitude and thanksgiving. We are grateful because we know that even in the hardest of days, you are with us. As we sit in the midst of world chaos, of plague and pestilence, drought, famine, flood, and fire, we can be comforted in knowing that you are with your children. Are these the end times? Well, we can't know the answer to that, but Lord, we know that you are in control and that no matter what happens, we will be okay, either in this life or the next. Our prayers today are for healing for the sick, for food for the hungry, financial stability for everyone. We pray for peace in homes that have been affected by the quarantines, protection for those who still have to work, peace of mind for everyone feeling stressed or anxious, and comfort for the lonely. We pray also for our leaders today. We know that many are losing sleep over the extreme obligations of their jobs right now. Protect their health and their mental well-being. Help them, help them turn to you for every decision that they have to make. May they seek your will for all things. We also pray for the people of this world. We've heard of people who are coming to Christ because of their fear of the coronavirus. We pray that in their conversion, they realize that you are not a God of fear, but a God of love. May all people who know you understand the message of love that permeates the gospel and that in you, we have nothing to fear. We give this world over to you. We give our worries and concerns over to you. We give our praise and our worship to you, and we give all our love to you. Hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Okay, what does resurrection mean to you? As I was preparing this sermon, I was focusing at first on the scripture, of course, and I was pondering the things Jesus, Mary, Martha, and even the disciples said. And I was spending a lot of time with the commentaries as well. But what kept coming to my mind was that question, what does resurrection mean for me? What does it mean for us? As Christians, we talk about resurrection all the time, right? We are post-Easter people who live in the light of Jesus's resurrection. We celebrate the Lord's Supper, a reenactment of Christ's sacrifice and resurrection on a regular basis. And the word comes up repeatedly in the New Testament. So what is resurrection exactly? The Oxford Dictionary says that resurrection in Christianity is Christ's rising from the dead. And it also says that in Christian belief, it is the rising of the dead at the last judgment. Well, I checked other dictionaries and they say similar things. And in a way, the dictionaries are correct, but there's a very subtle difference between a secular understanding of what it is and a religious Christian understanding of it. And that subtlety lies in the phrase, the rising of the dead. Do the people, do the dead simply rise back into life or does something or someone make it happen? Did Jesus rise from the dead on his own or did God will it to happen? And I know that that's a difficult question because of the fact that Jesus was God and Jesus was human and Jesus was the son of God, right? We have to live with the paradox of Jesus being fully divine and fully human. With Jesus who was God, but who also prayed to God. It's tricky. But the thing that we have to remember is that God is the power behind resurrection there are and have always been those who believe in the immortality of the soul, that the soul in its very nature does not die. Therefore, when the body dies, the soul lives on. And then there are varying ways that different faiths throughout history have explained what happens to the soul when the body dies. Some say the soul is reincarnated into another form. The soul eventually works its way to perfection where it ultimately joins with the Godhead. Others say the soul's energy dissipates back into nature. And then there's the ancient Greek belief that the soul crosses to the underworld on the river Styx. And of course, there are many others. But Christianity does not claim that humans are inherently immortal, that God created us in such a way that guarantees we will live forever. No, Christianity, Jesus, claims that eternal life is a gift bestowed on us by the one who created life in the first place. Today is the final sermon in our Lenten sermon series. So far, we've talked about sin, temptation, obedience, and faith. We've looked at what it is that brought humanity to the point of needing Jesus and what it is that God wants from us and what it means to have faith in God. And today we're focusing on the promise of God's grace manifested in Jesus, the Christ. The grace that has been offered to us even when we sin, when we're disobedient, and when we're lacking faith. Today we're talking about resurrection. 
a gift from God to those who accept it. In our scripture today, we hear of Lazarus for the first and only time in the Gospels. He's the brother of Mary and Martha, sisters first introduced to us in the Gospel of Luke, and a close friend of Jesus. He is not, by the way, the same Lazarus Jesus mentioned in the parable of the rich man who left the poor beggar to die on the streets outside his house. This Lazarus was very sick, so his sisters sent for Jesus, knowing that he had the power to save their brother, if only he could get there in time. The thing is, we know that Jesus has the power to heal from a distance, as we've seen in other Gospels. But for some reason, he chooses not to at this time. Jesus hears about his friend's illness and decides to stay put for another two days and ultimately didn't get there until Lazarus had been dead and buried for four days. Of course, Jesus arrives to find Mary and Martha devastated by their loss, and he is moved to tears by his empathy for them. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. In the scripture, we see Jesus call Lazarus out of death as an expression of God's power over all things, even death. This miracle, like all others, was for the glory of God so that people would believe in him. But Lazarus was not resurrected in the sense that Jesus was talking about to Martha. Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead temporarily. After all, Jesus, or I mean, Lazarus would eventually die again at a later time. But when we are resurrected in Christ, we are given eternal life with God. The People's New Testament commentary says the Johannine Jesus, which means Jesus in the Gospel of John, the Johannine Jesus declares that Judeo-Christian hopes for the end of history are already present for those who believe in Christ. What believers hoped for in the final victory of God's kingdom, the return of Christ, the defeat of Satan, the resurrection of the dead, the judgment, eternal life, these are all already present in Christ. In the fourth gospel, the emphasis has shifted from future hope to present experience. This is something that we minister types call realized eschatology. In other words, all of the end time expectations have already been given to us by Jesus. So what does that mean for us? Hmm? Well, it means that when we started to believe that Jesus is the son of God, when we began to grow in faith, when we realize that Jesus is our savior, our resurrection, our resurrection had already begun. That's because eternal life begins the moment that a person puts their faith in Jesus. Again, eternal life begins the moment that a person puts their faith in Jesus. In our lifetime, putting our faith in Jesus has never felt more important than it does today. Life 
is always out of our control, no matter how good we are at creating the illusion of being in control. But the circumstances of our world at this moment drives home our helplessness in ways that we've never experienced before. We are constantly being barraged with words like pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19, social distancing, quarantine, respirators, isolation, fear, loss, illness, and death. This is a time so unsettled and confusing that our political and religious leaders even seem rattled when we see them on TV. For the last week or so, someone in our house has asked, what do you think is going to happen? And the only answer that we can give is, I don't know. No, we are absolutely out of control of everything. We always have been, though. This pandemic just makes it more obvious than ever. But Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, Martha said she did. Do you? Do you believe it? Do you believe that everyone who believes in Jesus will never die? And obviously, I don't mean that our bodies will never die. I mean our spirits, our souls. Do you believe that everyone who believes in Jesus will never die? Well, if you believe Jesus is the Christ, then you have already begun your resurrection. Lazarus's body died and Jesus brought it back to life for a while so that people would believe in Jesus. But Lazarus, like Martha, like Mary probably already knew who and what Jesus was, which means while his body was brought back as a testament to Jesus's divine nature and power, Lazarus, like Martha, like Mary, had already begun his eternal life with God long before this story took place. So I want to encourage you to move the idea and the word of resurrection into your daily thoughts, your daily vocabulary. When you hear the word pandemic, think resurrection. When you hear coronavirus, think resurrection. COVID-19, resurrection. Social distancing, resurrection. Quarantine, resurrection. Respirators, resurrection. Isolation, fear, loss, illness, and pneumonia, resurrection. When you hear the updated death toll, think resurrection. God is in control and God has power over life and death. In our faith, Jesus promises us that we have nothing to fear because our souls have already been adopted into heaven and into eternal life with God. Life on earth is filled with hardships. It always has been and it always will be. This time will probably go down in history as one of the greatest hardships this world has seen. But difficulty is nothing in the face of eternal life in God's peace. Hardship can't touch us when we know we are already resurrected into the heavenly kingdom. And the peace of Christ is already ours for the taking because we believe, like Martha, like Mary, and like Lazarus. 
Remember that though Jesus knew that Lazarus would be risen from his tomb, though he knew his story had a happy ending, he was still hurt by the other's pain. In our case, God knows that our ending will be a happy one as well, and yet he mourns with us and weeps for us out of empathy and compassion for what we are feeling. But our happy ending is already starting, and God knows it even when we cannot. So when the day gets hard, when the days get hard and when the news gets scary and when the virus creeps out of the news and into your community or your life, first take comfort in knowing that God is with you and say to yourself, resurrection. God has all the power over life and death and we already have begun our eternal life with God. Therefore, this world can no longer touch us, not in the end. Go in peace, my friends, and remember, resurrection. Amen. Amen. You are loved by God so profoundly, so perfectly, so completely, that you will never fully comprehend it. And in God's love for you, he yearns for you and for your love. So I invite you now to give yourself to God, if you haven't already, to give yourself to God in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to dedicate your life to him. Open yourself up to the love that is so freely given. Amen. Amen. When times are the hardest, this is when we need to focus on being grateful the most. And tithing is an act of gratitude as much as it is an act of faith. When we give of our tithes, our gifts to God, we do so because we say thank you for providing so much to us. So I encourage you to look around right now and give, give thanks for what you have. Do you have a roof over your head? Thank you, God. Do you have food to eat? Thank you, God. 
Do you have an understanding of how much God loves you? Oh, thank you, God. Is God there with you, keeping you company in your isolation? Thank you, God. Please don't forget to give thanks to God for everything God is doing each and every day. And please don't forget your church that is still carrying on even in the midst of social distancing, quarantine, and the threat of virus. Frida and Donald are taking this opportunity to strip and wax the floors in the church. They're taking advantage of the fact that people aren't walking in and out of the building. Gerald is preparing music to help keep our worship experiences vibrant and meaningful. Judy is still coming to the office every weekday, and I am trying to stay connected to each of you, making things up as I go, quite honestly, and trying to adapt to a whole new world of ministry that they never taught me about in seminary. Your church still needs your gifts, even when we're not able to meet face-to-face. So I encourage you to continue to tithe by sending in a check either to the church office at 1327 Layton Avenue, 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207, or by going to www.fccanniston.org, that's www.fccanniston.org, and scroll down to the bottom of the homepage. There you'll find a Donate Now button. We at First Christian Church thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity, and we pray that God will continue to take care of you in the days and weeks to come. Peace be with you. When we come to the table, we come because of resurrection. We come because Jesus, our Savior, was resurrected from the grave, resurrected by the power of God, resurrected so that we, too, could be forgiven of our sins, and we are promised our own resurrection in heaven when we pass from this life. God is so good. God is so faithful. God sacrificed everything for us. And so when we come to this table, we come with hearts filled with gratitude, thanking God for our salvation, for God's love, and for everything that God has done for us and continues to do each and every day. When you come to this table, 
Give thanks to God. Give thanks for the fact that every single human being that walks this earth is invited to the Lord's table. No one is barred from God's God's supper, from the Lord's supper here on this table. When you come, come knowing that Jesus himself invited you. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this bread and for this cup. We thank you, God, for blessing us with the promise of resurrection, for letting us know that death is not the end of our story, but merely the beginning of the rest of our story. And that's because of you. We ask you to bless these elements, to bless bless the bread, to bless the cup, and that when we partake of it, God, we pray that you enter into our bodies and our souls and our minds and that you hold us close. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, eat it in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup And he also blessed it. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And now I invite you to celebrate the Lord's Supper with me. Eat the bread. Take of the bread body of Christ broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.
please join me in the litany of remembrance. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. As we leave this worship service, I send you into your life, knowing that you walk in resurrection. You walk in God's grace that has been given so beautifully, such amazing grace, given freely, without obligation, unconditionally, completely undeserved. God loves us so much that he died for us so that we, too, could be resurrected into heaven and eternal life with God. Go in peace. Amen. Mm -hmm.